0: In other, words, In other words, from Perfect World Network Radio, with your host, Susan Scher. In other words. Good morning. Welcome to In Other Words, part of PWN Radio. And I am your host, Susan Scher. My guest this morning is James P. Bond. And the P is for Piper. And good morning, James.
1: Good morning, Susan.
0: And the, the both names are very, very Baltimore, aren't they? They are, I mean, you have a long Baltimore lineage, don't you?
1: Uh, I reckon, yes. Uh, uh, the, the Bond family goes back a long time and many generations. And well,
0: there's Bond Street.
1: Yeah, and there's Alice Ann is, is a Bond name, Ann Street is a Bond name, and uh, the Piper family has been in the area since the 1700s as well. It's interesting. I tell my son, who has the same name, James Piper Bond, and there's 11 generations of James Pipers. Mm -hmm. But we have a great-great-great-grandfather who fought at Fort McHenry on that September 14th in 1814 when it was bombed. And then we have a great-great-great-grandfather on the other side of the family, James Piper, who fought at North Point when the... British landed and marched on Baltimore that same day, uh, that same time. So, yeah, it's interesting. Uh,
0: yeah, and yet you don't have a Baltimore accent.
1: <laughs> well, I don't know. It's,
0: well, you, you spent a lot of time outside of Baltimore, though, didn't you?
1: Uh, About nine, eight, nine years, uh, and I was fortunate. Uh, I mean, went to college at Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and then spent... Almost four years going around the world after that's, college yeah, and doing a lot of different things, so maybe I lost the accent be, you know between could being be. down south and <laughs> and in different countries around the world
0: could be uh, and you you've done you've had an unusual background you've traveled the world as you said this was not what your parents exactly wanted, but it was what you wanted you have done uh, your list of jobs reads almost like mine and I've never seen one that was <laughs> more extensive than mine uh, but scuba diving you sailed across somewhere
1: South Pacific
0: South Pacific by yes. yourself?
1: No there was four of us four yeah. sometimes five of us and for about four or five months sailed from Australia on our way towards Hawaii and uh, sailed through the South Pacific and stopping in places like New Caledonia, Fiji, Tonga, the Kingdom of Tonga, the Samoas, places mm-hmm. like that.
0: I was hoping there were some landfalls because otherwise how could there be some four, sometimes four, sometimes five? Right, uh, right, right. <laughs> right. And when you came back to Baltimore, the, the thing, people, what you what you don't this is living classrooms, I did not mention that, this is... Uh, James Piper Bond of Living Classrooms, and you all have a elementary, and middle school, yeah, uh, several senior, several um, adult programs for community. The idea, and the whole idea, is to create other options for people growing up in poverty. Is that right?
1: Yeah, I think you, you've hit it pretty well there. It's just to help children, youth, and young adults to reach their potential. Mm-hmm. Uh, through acad- reach their potential academically, in the workplace, and in their lives. And at Living Classrooms, we have this strong belief that learning by doing, experiential learning, is the basis for uh, helping people to reach that potential, is, is something that can be leveraged so that, that whether it's a, a five-year-old that's entering our preschool, at Commodore John Rogers, one of the two schools we manage, or is, whether, is that
0: the elementary school or the middle school? That's the middle well, school,
1: Well, Commodore John Rogers is an elementary middle school. Okay. <clears throat> excuse me. It's a pre-K through 8 school. And uh, C- Crossroads School is the, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, is the first charter school, one of the first charter schools in Baltimore, which we started about 12 years ago, and that's a 6th, 7th, 8th grade middle school. Okay. Both these schools pull on students primarily from East Baltimore who live in poverty. They're Title I schools. Maybe 50 to 60% of these children do not live with one biological parent. Many kids are you living they in public... Live with only one? No. With no, they n- don't live
0: with any. Right. Okay. it's
1: A lot of times a grandparent or, or okay. things like that. They, the children have uh, tremendous obstacles that they are having to uh, work through in their lives. And so our job is to help them be successful in school. And so we have a longer school day. We have the uh, type of... Hands on learning by doing education, it goes on in the classroom as much as possible. We bring in all sorts of uh, partners to to expand their learning opportunities, their horizons, and a very strong commitment to measuring everything we do uh, with as, as a best practice of living classroom so that we can improve uh, no matter what the program is, whether it 's in the schools, or back to your original question or point. With Living Classrooms, we also work with people of all ages. We we are working with 400 ex-offenders a year in our Project Serve and Adult Resource Programming. So somebody who may have spent 20 years in jail is then coming back into the city, into the workplace. and Our our job is to help that individual get job skills, to get on their feet, uh, to provide as much holistic support as possible so that they can be successful, gain skills and experience with us, and then we can transition them into the workplace. So living classrooms, it all comes back, though, to that hands-on learning by doing philosophy.
0: You've done a lot of interviews before, haven't you?
1: A couple. The either. reason
0: I ask listeners, you have to see this, he's, he's making his point with his hands, but he's touching the table. He's not hitting it. No. <laughs> <laughs> Only people who know how much a microphone will pick right. up would do that. Uh, but to the point... Uh, not only do you have to take care of the adults because they're part of the community, but the kids go home. Exactly. Whether it's to their parents or some other family situation, they go home.
1: Yeah, that's true. And
0: no matter what you do at school, I think it remains true that the family environment has the biggest impact on the student.
1: Yes, you're, you're so correct, Susan. That's exactly right. And that's part of our philosophy with the whole Children's Target Investment Zone uh, initiative that we've been working on for the last seven eight years in partnership with the city of Baltimore and the community, uh, very similar to the Harlem Children's Zone uh, that was begun twenty plus years ago in Harlem and that has become a model for the country.
0: I was going to ask if that's what you modeled
1: yours on. Yeah, it's it, it's 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 not an exact replica or anything, but that that was our inspiration. And uh, to we're looking right now at a map of East Baltimore. And living classrooms has a lot of presence right on the waterfront, and we have for the last last twenty nine years. When you know, our first classroom was, we built the ship, the Lady Maryland, with the help of a hundred students. I was
0: just saying that, yeah, that's what Sean. I had a tour this morning with Sean uh, Flaherty. And he was telling me that the students actually built at least one of the well, two of the boats, didn't they? Well,
1: the students are involved with the construction of any ship or building that Living Classrooms is involved with. We always involve kids as much as possible. Now, they're working side by side with skilled shipwrights and, and, sure. and, and builders. But we see this as... as I mean,
0: there isn't a lot of room for error on a boat. Right.
1: <laughs> well, this is a great opportunity back again to the philosophy of learning by doing mm-hmm. and so to... You can learn a lot when you work alongside, shoulder to shoulder, with someone who has uh, a great deal of experience. And then to help create something beautiful that they can look at. And that ship now is probably the, you know, the busiest education vessel, one of the busiest education vessels in the world. This is the Lady, the Maryland. Lady Maryland. And she's a beautiful 104-foot Pungi schooner. Which,
0: uh, in the traditional colors, is pink. It's pink, green trim,
1: pink right? and green. Yes, and, and uh, that's the traditional Chesapeake Bay color for a punky schooner. Now we also have two Chesapeake Bay skipjacks that we've built over the years. Uh, we have
0: there's a buy boat.
1: There, there are two buy boats, Which Chesapeake B- Bay buy B U Y B- exactly. They
0: aided in the uh, in, in commerce trade. They would pick up the goods from the ships. And bring them in to the to the city. Yes, yeah. yeah, so
1: they would. They would pick up from smaller vessels, maybe over on the eastern shore, and then they would be the middlemen and would then bring whether it's oysters or crabs or watermelons or whatever it may be, bring that to market and and make a little bit as a middleman.
0: I learned all that this morning. Good on my tour. Uh, now, a couple of things. First of all, I, I think it's just important to state where you put the the boats in and out of the water. Has been used for that for since the harbor's been there.
1: Well, we're we're sitting right now at our Frederick Douglass Isaac Myers Maritime Park mm-hmm. campus, which is right on the point of Fell's Point, which is a very historic spot. Right. And we raised fourteen million dollars to save. The, there's one building, a brick building, which was a shell. And I'm looking at a picture of it now, and it was just a shell you see right over yes. there. Oh, the one that burned. And it burned down. And when it, this was, a, That's what this was a property that was uh, owned by BG&E, and, and it was abandoned. And homeless people were just trying to stay warm. Mm-hmm. And uh, they started a little fire inside, and apparently got away from them. It was a Halloween night, 1993, I believe. And the fire boats had to come, and they put the fire out. but. By the time the fire was out there was no second third floor or a roof in this historic building we were fortunate to obtain 32,000 bricks from the same era about 200 years ago from an old cannery in little Italy mm-hmm. and we recycled those bricks into that building but this to your question we then added an addition the Weinberg pavilion that, that we're sitting in as well and there's a new pier the cart the Cardon pier that we made for Ben for Carden, ben Carden. Uh, who helped us who to is find a the a funding Berlin Senator and he's been a tremendous supporter from the beginning of Living Classrooms.
0: So that's Senator Mikulski, correct?
1: Yes, and, when, and if you look out the window over at our East Harbor campus, mm-hmm. which is a <clears throat> couple blocks away, you uh, can see the, the little round building that was built by our Project CERB members about a decade ago, yeah. and uh, that's the first green roof building on the Baltimore waterfront, and that was named in honor of Senator Mikulski, uh, who's been a supporter of ours since the beginning, 29 years ago as well. So this campus is a site of the first black-owned shipyard in the country. In fact, yesterday we had Congressman John Lewis here with 300 students, and that was a real honor to have you know this civil rights icon here with us, and, and we were telling him the same story, but this is where Frederick Douglass was the mentor for 15 African-American leaders. This is a year after the Civil War, I Susan. Ask you what the- in 1866.
0: So the uh, slaves were freed but not many of them were successful entrepreneurs.
1: Well, and also Baltimore had the largest free black population in the country as well. And so Isaac Myers was a free black man. And he was the man who organized with the other 14. And then again, Douglas was their mentor. And they came together and first raised $10,000 of capital. And then eventually $100,000 after a couple of years, they created this. Remember m- when this was? 1866.
0: Yeah, you're talking millions by today's
1: Probably, yeah, and so they they employed up to almost 300 men, mm-hmm. black and white. It was the first integrated workspace on the Baltimore waterfront, and the business ran for 18 years and would haul ships in and out of the water. and mm-hmm. And African Americans were very successful as caulkers, you know, caulking the seams of a vessel of, of the different boats when they'd be hauled out of the world. Out of the water on a marine railway, and so we have a, a marine railway right now. I'm looking at it. It's a 40 ton carriage on a railroad track that was donated by the president of Canton Railroad to us many years ago, and we have the engine that was donated that helps. So this cradle goes down the water and can actually haul ships out, and then our students work alongside our shipyard, our shipwrights. So yes, it's it's similar to the way it would have been, you know, 150 yeah. years ago.
0: And this building, you'd have to see it. All of the bricks are, what, 200 years old, is that it?
1: Pretty much, it. In, in the yes, because yeah. the building dates to 1804, and yeah. then the bricks that we got from the cannery in Little Italy dated to the same time period. Right,
0: they weren't all originally from this building, Right, they're all exactly. the same bricks same, from the same era.
1: And then the floors are all recycled timbers that we milled with the help of our Project Serve and Fresh Start students as well.
0: Now, I want to talk about the school a little bit, the yeah. uh, actual... Academic schools. Sure. Because they are so successful academically that they're actually highly sought after and they're, they're, you get in by lottery. And,
1: to Crossroads, and, you get in by lottery. With Commodore John Rogers, it's a traditional uh, public school uh, and, and not a charter. And okay. so. Uh, oh, so
0: it's governed by the same. Uh, regulations as any public school?
1: Yes, but it's, okay. Commodore is a turnaround school so that we were able to get some additional support early on, and we've been operating that school. For, we're into our fourth year now, and Commodore was just named one of the top five turnaround schools in the United States by the U.S. Department of Education just a couple months ago.
0: And the students, if you get into that school, you... Are, you've got an extremely good chance of going to a very good high school and getting into college, if that's what you want, correct?
1: Yes, and yes for both schools, but it, I think you're referencing Crossroads because that's, that's a lottery, and we have a couple hundred kids on the waiting list, and it has about 165 children in the school.
0: But, but they're both like that. They both are springboard schools, correct?
1: Yes, yes. Now, Commodore, it's, it's going to take us a few more years to get that up to the same pace of Crossroads, but we're, we're getting there quickly.
0: And the thing is, you talk about, you know, learning by doing, and I don't think this is a new concept, but that's right. one of the most effective ways, largely because you're involving more senses. Also, because it's fun.
1: Right. <laughs> it's relevant. Um, yeah. yeah.
0: The kids enjoy it. Yeah. How does this relate to, well, reading, yeah, because you've got to read the directions and everything. What about math skills and science and history? Because that they've all got to learn all of that, right?
1: Sure, sure. So. You know, we, we conduct in the classroom, because it's not like we take kids out on ships every day or, you know, field. There's
0: always someone out on the ships, but right. not always Yes,
1: I mean, we partner with 300 schools, yeah. so every day our vessels, either whether it's here in Baltimore, we have three vessels out every day, or the in, in Washington we have the Half Shell, which is a by boat <coughs> excuse me, that is out every day with, with students from the D.C. area on the Anacostia and the Potomac. Or if you look at, I'm looking at the har- window towards the Inner Harbor. We have the USS Constellation, the submarine Taurus, the lightship Chesapeake, the Coast Guard cutter Taney. Those vessels do not go away from the dock, but every day students come and visit Mm -hmm. those ships, and we work with probably 7,000 students who do overnight programs on those vessels. Mm
0: -hmm. And you're talking about students from schools that do not have any direct relation to you.
1: Right. They've just been long-term partners, these 300 schools that have partnered with us over the last almost 30 years. But back to your question about... Commodore John Rogers or, or Crossroads, that, that it, we, we utilize something called project-based education as much mm-hmm. as possible. Have, uh, have uh, students work on different projects in mm-hmm. school where you weave together the science and the technology, engineering, and math. That's STEM skills. Okay. Or uh, you, you, as far as reading, we, we weave in the, the reading, the math, the, you know, all the different academic skills that these students need to learn there's our educators, our teachers are very skilled at how they can teach that in an interactive, project-based, fun, as you said, yeah. relevant way well, instead of just opening up to page 50 and start reading it to some kid. And, yeah. and, and also we try to reduce the class size as much as possible.
0: Well, one thing, first of all, if, if the kid's not having fun, they may pass the test, but they're not going to retain any. Right, true. And, and also, I mean, this, this is the way... If the skill is not usable in the world, then the argument can be made that you don't need to put a lot of energy into learning it. Now, this is right. not true across the board. I don't want educators to be mm-hmm. besieging me with this. I know that. but for the, And I imagine there are some classes where they sit in a classroom and work from a book or the blackboard or something.
1: Sure. Yeah. Every one of our classrooms has whiteboards that are interactive with... With with computers and so forth. So, okay. again, we try to bring the technology in to make it more interactive mm-hmm. uh, and, and more engaging, more and engaging for students.
0: Yes. Yeah, they, they like that more. So I want to go away from the schools for a minute. Uh, the BUGS program. Uh, I did know what that stood for, but I don't remember. It's,
1: BUG stands for Baltimore Urban Gardening with Students. We've been operating for, I think, 18 years. The idea uh, is to
0: teach them that spaghetti sauce does not come from the supermarket.
1: Right. And yeah, because they'll, they'll grow their own tomatoes and make their own spaghetti sauce. And, and they
0: grow stuff that the uh, restaurant downstairs uses, too, we right? Yes,
1: we're at our Frederick Douglass Campus right here at the end of Thames and Caroline Street on the point of Fells Point. In, on this campus, we have the Waterfront Kitchen Restaurant. Which is a great par- partnership with Water, with a, a group called Mission Driven Dining. Chuck Navitt, Jerry Pellegrino, and those guys have been great partners, and they have hired ten of our Project Serve members. These are folks who mm-hmm. come through our job training program. These are ex-funders, people who've turned their lives around and who have worked hard, and then we transition into working at the restaurant. But the Bugs program also. On the campus, East Harbor campus, where our school is, and Fresh Start Program, and the last wetland, the Inner Harbor, I'm looking out over there now, we have many gardens and a big greenhouse, yes. and the kids are growing, you know, like I'll, I'm going to have a, a lunch meeting here in a minute, and I'll have the beets that are just delicious, gorgeous beets that the kids grow, or the, or the lettuce, or the radishes, and, mm. and so they are helping to supply some of the vegetables for the restaurant.
0: They're also tasting what food actually tastes like.
1: right. Right. <laughs>
0: Uh, I want to go back to uh, the program for the turnaround program because the figures on this, uh, as I understand it, generally speaking recidivism rate is what seventy percent or more well
1: if you're talking about uh, in Baltimore there are four thousand people a year that come out of incarceration back mm-hmm. into the community and of those, about 55% within two years will be back in jail. So probably okay, almost 2,500 of those, 4,000, will be back
0: okay. arrested, so rearrested
1: in into jail. 55% li-
0: is actually pretty low for a national
1: average. Well, I don't know about that. That's a lot of people turning back yes, around. Yes, it is. While it, what I think is low is what our rated projects serve, which is closer to 6 or 7%. Uh,
0: which is phenomenal
1: yeah that, that's the, our, our folks do a great job with that, and yeah
0: I just uh, recently ghost wrote a book for somebody about he, he was a former heroin dealer, mm-hmm. and one of the reasons he got into it is obviously there weren 't a lot of options. there was no one to tell him don 't do that. what is wrong with you? what are you thinking right and he actually says if anyone had if any adult in his life had known what he was doing, they would have stopped him. Mm. And then there weren't a lot of options, and what you're doing is providing options.
1: Right, exactly.
0: And this also means that the children of these people, because a lot of them have children, yes. now have options that they were not aware of. Exactly. And have somebody to say, what are you doing? Stop it.
1: Yes. Well, and the whole intergenerational approach to breaking the cycle of poverty back to what we I was referencing before with the children target investment mm-hmm. zone, we have this whole area... That surrounds Hopkins Hospital, and there's maybe six public housing sites from the Perkins Home, which is the largest site on the on this one of the largest we're public we're housing houses. And uh, so we have different sites. For instance, the powerhouses and now the community center of Perkins Home. That's a twenty-seven year abandoned firehouse. So the firehouse is 110 years old, abandoned for twenty-seven years. And we raised over a million dollars, restored that. And that's a community center where we're working with children every day. We're working with seniors. We're working with the teens. And it's just a wonderful beacon of hope in Perkins community. Or you go to the Carmelo Anthony Center, which is up right by the main post office, which is part of the first Hope 6 project in the country. And we have uh, were asked by the community to come in there about seven years ago and Carmelo Anthony uh, gave us a million and a half dollars over the first five years to manage that site, and we're working with one hundred and fifty children a day there. Or you go to the Patterson Park Youth Sports Education Center, where we raise close to five million dollars to rebuild the facility, uh, have a beautiful turf field, a new building, and create programming funding and are working with the fourteen schools that are in the region, and every day there are hundreds of kids using that site. Uh, as part of a, a health and wellness program, or then you come to Commodore John Rogers. All these sites I'm mentioning are all in close proximity.
0: All
1: in the distance, yeah. yeah, well, it's maybe longer walk than others, but it, you know. <laughs> but and, and some of these blocks you want to be careful walking too because it's not the safest parts of the city.
0: Because he has not quite gotten the entire city involved. In no, this. but
1: that's, that's, and then we have our Safe Streets program operating as well. So every night we have six. Uh, guys who have been trained to be mediators. This is modeled after ceasefire in Chicago. And uh, the goal is to mediate disputes that happen on the streets. These are guys who all were, spent time in jail or, or, or ex-gang members. They're from the East Baltimore community. They know what's going on from a street level, and they have the street cred, uh, credibility, and their goal is to stop shootings and killings. So every month now, we average about thirty to thirty-five mediations. These are beefs. These are fights that are breaking out on the streets, and our guys are Where trained to are
0: not killing each other
1: to de-escalate the situation so that there are not shootings and killings. And Doctor Daniel Webster has been analyzing this and reporting on this for the last five years and has uh, shown through his evaluations that it's it's reduced the shootings and killings in his parts of the city. So you start to combine all these efforts. One other thing that, that relates to the really early childhood is we're, we're opening up an early childhood center. We raised a couple million dollars thanks to the Weinberg Foundation, Community Foundation, and others, Baltimore City School System, to take an abandoned rec center that is... Connected to Commodore John Rogers School in East Baltimore, the school that we manage, the turnaround school, and we have taken this rec center, Susan. It was like a 1950s—you can imagine—concrete gym Mm -hmm. without a window in it, and we've blown all these windows in it and have all this color. And we're going to have an early Head Start, uh, Head Start, and a Judy Center there. So we'll start working with children from birth. Uh, and then they will then go to age four or five and then be prepared to go into the pre-K at Commodore. So that pipeline of services.
0: Because the first four years, first four or five years.
1: It's critical, critical. You know, I, my, my son, when he went into pre-K, he knew how to read a little bit. He knew his numbers and so forth. And, you know, a lot of the kids we find when they're going into our pre-K or <coughs> kindergarten, just they, they, they don't even have that early head start. So our goal was to uh, begin at as young as birth. And create a pipeline right through the early childhood center right into the school and then into the high school in the region as well we're working with Dunbar and NAF and we may be expanding Crossroads one day into a a high school as well.
0: Now there are a lot of people who have this idea of learn by teaching I mean learn by doing and teaching uh, adults skills to keep them you know give them saleable skills Why does it work with you? Because it usually, quite honestly, doesn't.
1: Um, I think there's a couple things. We have a tremendous staff at Living Classroom. First of all, we have an amazing board of directors, people who are doing amazing things all across this community who have been extremely generous and supportive and have opened many doors for us. Then we have this amazing staff, many who have worked here for decades, who are all people who know how to get things done, and work collaboratively to produce quality results and work cohesively as a team, all with a culture of get it done now and measure what we do. And, take, and we have metrics that relate to, to each of our programs. We also just finished a five-year strategic plan. So it's a way of answering your question is we have tremendous people who are very focused on results uh, and then we work collaboratively in public-private partnerships and with good, strong leadership so that we are keeping our eye on the ball. So the Crossroads School has been one of the top middle schools in the city for the last uh, 12 years. Commodore John Rogers was just named one of the top five turnarounds. The Bugs program three years ago was named one of the top after-school programs in the country. Project Serve, the, which is working with ex-offenders, Uh, as seen as a national model. Fresh Start is a national model. So it's that kind of excellence that we strive for.
0: And you're listening too, in other words. And what I'm also hearing, and I got this from my tour this morning too, is that you have a way of measuring every day, measuring the results, the accomplishments. Because somebody told me a long time ago, if you can't measure it, you can't achieve it.
1: Right. Right. And you can't improve, and, and, right. and we're we have a, a culture around here where we are we have a quest for continuous quality improvement in everything we do, and that's just part of our nature. We're always saying how can we how can we get better? How can we learn about through through what we're doing?
0: How did this start?
1: Which part or what? What oh, the organization? What said. Well, it's interesting. I was talking to Dennis O'Brien uh, this morning, and he was a teacher. He and Tom Scholdice were a couple teachers at McDonough School. Mm-hmm back in the mid 80s who had a a dream of building a ship for kids they tried to take their kids on the pride of baltimore that who didn't wouldn't take kids at the time and so they went out and started raising money for their uh, a ship for kids and then i i I was fortunate i just returned from this four-year odyssey around the globe Mm -hmm. doing a lot of different things and you
0: were how old at this
1: point uh it's like 26 or something and and so uh we uh worked very hard and I started as a volunteer and uh, I love the concept of learning by doing and I especially like the idea that this be focused on working with at-risk children and those that are not did not grow up with the advantages of some, some of us may have been fortunate to have grown up with and uh, I was then asked to become the first full-time employee back then. and uh, uh,
0: Of these two from McDonough?
1: They were volunteers working at McDonough. McDonough
0: is a prominent private school in the Baltimore area.
1: And uh, Tom is, is now, I think, a principal at one of the Baltimore County schools. Dennis has been living in Florida for a couple decades. But we all still t- stay in touch. Uh, mm-hmm. and uh, But so... Uh, I guess we just began to grow it from there, as, as and I was fortunate to be able to assemble a great team of amazing uh, leaders here at the foundation, and and I, 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 I kin it to like being a coach, and you know I was a head lacrosse coach mm-hmm. in Australia, and and a, and a good coach is always trying to get the the best players they can get, and then get the uh, the, the have the achievement. Uh, achieve the best potential out of out of out of their players, so that we do the same thing with our team here at Living Classrooms.
0: And it's also not about individual players.
1: Yeah, there's no I and team, Susan. Yeah. Right? <laughs> How about
0: that? <laughs> yeah. So you sort of coached the success.
1: I, I, that's one way of looking at it. Yeah. Okay.
0: Now, for those who uh, find this interesting, who are listening, who find this interesting. We need to say that Living Classrooms is a nonprofit. Yes. And how can people support the organization if they want to?
1: Well, it's uh, you know, it's one thing to have great ideas, but it's another thing to make them happen. And if you if you're not able to fundraise or find the resources to support your ideas, they're never going to happen. So we have been fortunate to. Uh, have a a good fundraising track record over the years, and we have a website www.livingclassrooms.org.
0: And that will be on the website as you're listening to this.
1: And uh, so that's probably the best way you can just go in. If you, if you like what you see or you want to learn more, just go to www.livingclassrooms.org. So you can reach out to me personally, James Piper Bond, at Living Classrooms at 410 685. Zero two nine five. Could you ex-
0: say that a little, again, a little slower?
1: Four one zero six eight five zero two nine five extension two one four. And uh, yeah, we we need all the help we can. Every penny counts, <laughs> and, and every, every, yeah, every
0: every nonprofits like that.
1: Every and bit and of support is critical to us.
0: Is there a schedule of events on your website?
1: There should be. Okay. Uh, we we, we <laughs> have many different events. And uh, for instance, Maritime Magic we host each year is probably the best uh, party that we that Baltimore has each year. We've done it for 28. This will be our 29th year uh, this year. And it's, it's this year. It's September 19th, Friday, September 19th. We have Bootsy Collin, the famous Rock and Roll Hall of Fame guy, with his 13 piece funk unity band and we have about 85 restaurants who donate
0: funk unity is, well ahead. you
1: gotta come and check it out Susan so you'll see and uh, it's casual and we have people of all ages 20s into their 80s plus and, and everybody's having a great time it's like 100 bucks a, okay. a, something like that 100, so 110 bucks
0: within the reach of most yeah people.
1: for all night for music we have jazz bands upstairs we've got uh,
0: Oh, this is a multi-level party. Oh
1: yeah, yeah. We have about three thousand people here, and the whole cool. all the tents are donated. Everything's donated. Food trucks. We have all these eighty different so, restaurants who who uh, donate the f- delicious food and beverage. So it's so it's the, right the on money, the waterfront. It's a great great time.
0: So the money that you that you're
1: we'll raise about a half million dollars through and that, that event and, and, and sponsorship. Ticket uh,
0: money goes to the school.
1: It all goes the to Foundation, the Living Classroom Foundation yeah. education programs to support our academic programming and our job training program
0: so again that's livingclassroom.org now one thing you have referred to the uh, children's target investment zone but you never really actually said what that was what is that
1: well it's uh it is an area of east baltimore where we are targeting the investment the,
0: the, of, uh, for those who don't know baltimore uh Fells point the, the harbor are in east baltimore
1: Right, right. So, uh, which is
0: also has some extremely unsafe neighborhoods, which is where he pulls the kids. Right.
1: From. So, if you the Inner Harbor, which is famous in Baltimore, which we're looking out upon, and where we have been part of that whole Renaissance for the last thirty it's, years, it's actually
0: famous nationally because of that.
1: Yes, yes. And so we've uh, we've been part of that in our. Our uh, East Harbor campus is on the waterfront. Our Douglas Myers campus is on the waterfront. We managed the Friends of Fort McHenry and helped to raise $14 million for the new visitor center at the National Park, Fort McHenry. That's on the waterfront. Uh, but if you go eight, well, no, five to uh, 25 blocks inland, you start to get to parts of the city that are... Uh, challenging and unsafe at times, and where you need to be careful, like in any urban area. You, you just need to use your street sense. But this is, there's a lot of public housing, there are poorly performing schools, there is crime, there are shootings, there are drugs, you know, the typical urban uh, situation you find in any U.S. city or cities around the world. And so we have taken this area, which surrounds Johns Hopkins Hospital, which is the one of the top hospitals Which, yeah, in the world, everyone and, knows about that. and they're they're head of Johns Hopkins Medicals on one of our board members, Ron Peterson's great. Mm-hmm. But so we're surrounding this area, and we are then creating a pipeline of services from cradle to college or career. So from about birth to in mm-hmm. people into their uh, late teens, early twenties, to help provide services so that kids do not fall through the cracks, so that schools can improve, so that the dropout rate is reduced, so the graduation rate is increased, that shootings are less. It is a cleaner, greener area through our Project Serve uh, programming. And so we've taken a lot of our model programs that are working with children, youth, and young adults, and we are scaling them, Susan, so that we are now working with 1,500 children, youth, and young adults a day in this part of the city at the places, like I mentioned before, at the Powerhouse, which is in the middle of Perkinson, or Carmelo Anthony Center, which is surrounded by four public housing sites. or
0: Center with the uh, CERV.
1: Yes, or with uh, the Commodore John Rogers, which is right in the middle of this zone, which is where we're building the Early Childhood Center that will open here in two weeks. Or, two
0: weeks? Okay, yes. so... Uh, that Can you give us a date because people will be listening to this
1: at different times. well it, the construction will be complete, and then we have to you know, we 'll start bringing kids in in the early uh, late August early September is when, okay. so it will actually be opening as far as serving, but the construction will be completing here in the next couple weeks we 're in May be. right now and then you know Safe streets is also on the eastern flank of Hopkins in the McKge Park neighborhood, so it 's a very holistic approach. To providing services, and it's all the while we only go where we're asked to go, where the community has asked Living Classrooms to come in and to help solve a problem or issues of the community. That's which so we've been asked to come in to specifically help solve issues uh, or problems, and and that that's part of what our mission is. So it's a very much a combined effort. Our goal is to eventually work with twenty five hundred students. Youth and young adults a day, maybe thirty five hundred, and then this is a day in and day out uh, process. You do not break the cycle of poverty with one offs or just you know an event here or there. So no, we, and it
0: has to be holistic, or it's yeah, not going to work.
1: Exactly. So we're, we're committed to this for many years to come.
0: What about taking this to other places?
1: Well, we we underwent a, a we we uh, were asked to do a facility. A feasibility study for washington dc which we was funded and uh, one of our dc board members funded us to do that and gave us some initial seed capitals so living classrooms has had a division in washington for 12 years uh, and we manage kingman island as an environmental center in baltimore we also manage the masonville environmental center 50 acres with a Beautiful little five thousand square foot building that's a green building, in Kingman Island. It's, it's it's this little island right by RFK Stadium. It's, it's little is oasis, an there? and it's a beautiful spot. And our guides, our green team, are building the trails. Uh, uh, we're also involved with uh, creating this this new trash trap contraption on the Anacostia in a partnership with Pepco and with DC government. Anacostia is a river. And, uh, and then we manage Camp Frazier, which is alongside the Potomac near Great Falls, Virginia, uh, that is, is a couple hundred acres, a beautiful property, and has a high ropes, low ropes course, and a facility that can sleep 50 students, and we can do camping there. And we take every sixth grader from wards 6, 7, and 8 in Washington, D.C., and do a three-day, two-night, overnight program focused on STEM Science, technology, engineering, and math. And we have an educational vessel that operates daily along the Potomac and Anacostia, one of those buy boats we talked about before. So we we are embedded in D.C. and growing there and undergoing a $10 million capital campaign. We've been given a piece of property right near the National Stadium to create our Workforce Development Center uh, headquarters there in D.C., as far as any other cities, we are open to discussions in years to come, but anything would have to undergo a feasibility study and the, the funding to do it and do it right.
0: How does your project compare to what others are doing around the country? Do you have any awareness of that?
1: Well, I, I don't think there's – I mean, there's not a lot of organizations that uh, that are like Living Classrooms. I think we do, I mean we do things – other organizations do similar things, like we, components of Living Classroom. It's interesting. The International Youth Foundation picks one organization in 72 countries around the world as a model organization, and we were honored to be selected as the United States uh, organization for the International Youth Foundation. So I don't think there's too many groups kind of like us around the world, to be honest.
0: that's, That's what I was wondering about because the concept is not new. Right. But I personally am not aware... Of situa- and I'm sure that there are other organizations that, that have some success with this, but I'm just not aware of them, that um, are as successful at actually changing the reality that these children go back to after school. Right. Because that's where it's at.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's the, you know, we have the extended school days, we have the summer programming. Is the more exposure we can have with the children, youth, and young adults well, that really makes a difference and, and to help the, the families. Exactly. Yes. So we're working with the, the teenagers in our Fresh Start program who, even though they're 17, 18 years old, they already have one or two children often. Mm-hmm. Uh, and their parents may be in our Project Serve program or have been connected with Safe Streets. So this whole intergenerational approach is, as you've stated, is important.
0: And the kids, they do get work after learning these trades, right? They're not just turned loose.
1: Yes. No, that's the whole goal is to help place people into employment, like the restaurant that I mentioned previously. And so we work with dozens and dozens of employers. And
0: and they build things, very nice things like stools, chairs.
1: Well, and the the student company we have, yes, they build uh, what some people might call Adirondack chairs. We're in Fells Point, Baltimore, so we call them Fells Point chairs. <laughs> but they're these beautiful cedar, red cedar chairs and, and tables and benches. Mm-hmm. And when you come to Phillips Restaurant or, or – or
0: Very famous crab restaurant.
1: The, you'll sit at our, the tables all built by our students mm-hmm. and our Fresh Start student company and things like that.
0: James, I know you have to go now, so yes, uh, we will wrap this up. Is there something you would like to leave the audience with?
1: No, I'm just grateful for you – your interest in living classrooms and giving me the opportunity to speak with you this morning, I'm, I'm grateful for that. And uh, for anyone who is interested in supporting our effort, uh, if you're in Baltimore and want to come by and see us, please do. It's and at
0: 1417
1: Dams. Dams Street is where is- where we're sitting now. But we have many. We oh. we manage 30 different sites in the Baltimore Same. Washington area, whether it's the historic ships or these buildings or interesting places I mentioned before, but. Come check us out. Support us as if, you, if you can. And, and
0: Again, it's livingclassrooms.org. Great. And you want to give them the phone number again?
1: Our phone number is 410-685-0295. Is the main number. My extension is 214.
0: Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Susan.
0: Right now I'm talking with the vice president of Living Classrooms. This is, this is Scott Raymond. Could Did I get that right? Okay. Correct. And Vice President, can you tell, that doesn't tell me what you do. What do you do, Sure.
2: Basically, I oversee all of our education programs um, two schools that we operate, Mm -hmm. Commodore John Rogers and the Crossroads School. We partner with uh, about another 30-some-odd schools in Baltimore, oversee the uh, shipboard programs that you Mm -hmm. see come out of the harbor every single morning.
0: So all of the education programs?
2: Pretty much, yes.
0: Okay, the ones for children and for adults.
2: No, so mine is more formal. It's education when students are in okay, school. Okay. I don't do not do dropout youth, which is another mm-hmm. lens or um, another
0: highly successful.
2: Yes, exactly. Range.
0: Yep. Yeah, and and the working with the adults because as James and I were discussing, it doesn't matter what you do for the kids; they go home.
2: That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So,
0: yeah. So the home environment has to keep keep it going.
2: That's exactly right.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> So your schools seem to be phenomenally successful. Now, they're not using a different concept. This concept of learning by doing is not new. Why are your schools successful?
2: Well, one, we put emphasis on the learning. So Mm -hmm. if you were in the Baltimore City school system, you hear a lot about the teaching uh, we put the emphasis on the learning. So what that—that's an interesting distinction. It is an interesting distinction. An an example is, we will have our teachers come and observe by the school system, and they'll look at what the teacher is saying and doing. Mm-hmm. But they never quiz the students to find out if they learned what the teacher was presenting.
0: Really, Since teachers are not evaluated on what the students learn, just on how they teach.
2: It's a lot of how they're evaluated. So I think, though it sounds very similar, there's a world of difference when you're focusing on the learning. Because, frankly, in my viewpoint, if the kids aren't learning, the teaching isn't good.
0: No, of course not. That's the whole point. You can't get caught up in the process. You have to remember what the goal is.
2: Well, believe it or not... um, this is still uh, not necessarily fully accepted right now, never mind 12 years ago when we opened the charter school. And, you know, I would hold teachers accountable for students' learning. That's becoming more acceptable now, but back then it was a radical um, idea to hold teachers accountable.
0: So are some of your teachers using some techniques that would raise eyebrows?
2: No, not necessarily. Um, I think just we have great teachers Mm -hmm. uh, who really work hard to make sure that the students learn. So I try to break it down into three easy concepts. We need to be teaching the students what they need to learn. That means um, so now it will be common core standards, right? Mm -hmm. We need to make sure we're teaching them what they need to learn. We need to know... Need
0: according to the government standards.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And we need to know that they're learning what we're teaching. How is that? Well, let's. we do an assessment every day in a class. End of the class, we do a little quiz. Did the kids learn? If 80% of them didn't learn, we reteach it the next day. We don't move on. Look, this foundation was founded on that premises. Dennis O'Brien, who founded uh... the living classrooms he taught at mcdonough and he taught i think latin if i remember latin or greek mm-hmm. and what he would do is he'd have the kids all dress up in togas and they do the six o'clock news and but every, in
0: latin or greek
2: yes exactly and every kid wanted to be part of his class because it was fun they were all learning they were all engaged and to some degree that's how we still teach um, you know, uh, you were talking about the first light machine. There's an example of kids really wanting to be a part of something that's project-based and learning how to give your best.
0: See, this is the thing, that kids are not going to learn if they don't like going to school. So, and, and even the things that are just core curriculum, I mean, you know, the core curriculum is not required right now, but but we know what we mean when we talk sure. about that. Even those subjects that have to be taught or those things that have to be taught sitting at a desk in a classroom, the kids are excited. How did you do that?
2: Well, it starts with good teachers. Um, I think... Our teachers really believe in what they're teaching, and they know how to make the information on what they're teaching relevant and Mm -hmm. exciting and fun, and usually that's done in uh, a hands-on method. So, for example, the first time we did this, and we did this really well, was... 11 years ago, I had a group of students coming into Crossroads. 70% of them were failing reading and 70 some odd percent were failing math. I said, okay, we're going to do something where students have to research and they're going to use their writing skills and they're going to use their math skills. So I came up with they're going to write a book. And when they write it, then they're going to sell it and they'll use their math skills to keep track of the money that they make. Huh. Ten, eleven years ago, we spent fifteen months writing a book about Frederick Douglass and Isaac Myers called The Rising Tides of Freedom. Mm-hmm. And though it was a lot of work and I'm not sure at the time they thought it was a lot of fun, but that book took them to Yale University where they presented they wow. presented to uh, Maryland State Department of Education. These they, are middle
0: school kids. They right?
2: were sixth graders. Sixth graders. Sixth graders. Oh my god! And the best part of it, and this is Wait, what,
0: what were they when they started?
2: So they were. I had them.
0: Months.
2: Yeah, they were actually entering their. They weren't actually in the sixth grade because I had oh, okay. them that summer. Okay. So. Oh, that okay. Yeah. That's okay. But we had. And this is the best part of it. I had one challenge for them, and I said, We're not going to do this unless you guys take the pledge. You're going to do this so well that nobody will believe that a group of sixth graders or middle school students could do this kind of work. Are you in? And when we published the book, that was the big uh, criticism. Middle school students can't do work like this. So they
0: didn't believe it.
2: They didn't believe it, which was great. So I pulled out all of the uh, different drafts. I mean, it literally started with, we had to teach them how to write a sentence. Wow. And then a paragraph. Then we got up to a page. Then when we started getting some momentum, we wrote a chapter. That's why it took us 15 months But students, and I'll tell you, when those students graduate, well, I have to say, they sold out six editions. All of that money went to help them go to college when they did. And they all say it was one of the things they were most proud of.
0: I'm sure it is. I'd be proud of that.
2: That book is in President Clinton's library.
0: Um, and what? Give us the title again. Please.
2: The Rising Tides of Freedom. If you, when you walk I've out of this that. office, yes, when you walk out of that, you'll see the students, a picture uh-huh. of the students presenting it to President Clinton here. He came wow. to get an autographed copy.
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. autograph. Now that must be interesting because it's going to take up every blank space <laughs> in <laughs> the open pages, isn't it?
2: Well, it's just an example of what students and By the way, my students come in so far behind grade level. It's not like we recruit really uh, great scholars to come to our school. They're all behind grade level. But it just proves what students can do if you've got great teachers and you can really motivate students.
0: How many stories do we have of this? Don't drop your expectations. Raise them. If you tell them, if you let kids know that you think they can't achieve any more than this, then guess what? They're not gonna. Yeah. And they're also not gonna feel real good about themselves.
2: Yeah. It happens over and over and over again. This First Light Machine that we've talked about a little bit is now being viewed by Discovery and PBS. They're probably gonna show it on one of those two channels.
0: First Light Machine is a video that.
2: It is, uh, again, like the Rising Tides of Freedom. I put a big challenge out to the kids. Um, do you want to do a 30-minute DVD, educational documentary, on the next space telescope? It'll be launched in 2018. It's the Webb, William S. Webb. And, you know, I challenge the kids, same thing, don't do it unless we're going to do something that will make it onto television. It has to be great, and we won't accept anything less. And
0: not great for 6th graders or 7th graders, but great, period.
2: Yes, I always think of the market. I We want a program called Leaders Go Places. And the thing that I tell our kids is, if you do as I ask, you will go places with this project that you won't believe. You have to believe in me. So I want kids to... See that this can happen, not me telling them. I well, want and, them and the to tra- experience And it. the trade
0: off is that they know you believe in them.
2: Yes. But I also, we have enough of these projects that we've done mm-hmm. in the past that they can see that previous students have been successful. Well, now, yes, but you didn't at first. Exactly. Now,
0: Scott, what, what is your background?
2: <laughs> was not education.
0: I, that is not what I expected <laughs> you to say.
2: I, for, for many years, I worked at Tycho Labs um, in New Hampshire. And uh,
0: as what? Doing what?
2: Well, we got involved in the early years. I was not an engineer, but um, we were developing fiber optic cable. Oh. So it was very interesting, um, it was very lucrative. But it's not what I wanted to do with my life.
0: But it's what you were trained to do. You were trained as a. No,
2: I never end up doing what I've been trained to do. (laughs) I just fall into these opportunities, and uh, life just seems to take me along in a good direction. But I wanted to do something more meaningful, and I saw this. My wife and I moved down in this area. I I bought some property on the water, and I was fixing up the house. I said, you know, I have this little window that I can volunteer some time. I opened the newspaper, and there was a little ad, Volunteer at Living Classrooms Foundation. So I came down, uh, spent a little time, and I don't know, there's, there's something at this foundation called Pungi Magic. And what I define it as, it's a great force field. And if you get too Pungi close... Pungi is a
0: type of boat. It's a boat. We talked about uh, with Yeah. Jesus.
2: But the Pange magic is that... It's in a
0: pink boat, right?
2: Yes. Yeah. But the magic is this place draws fantastic people. And they come oftentimes, James was a volunteer, I was a volunteer. Mm -hmm. You know, you come to help and it's like this force field and you get sucked in and you never leave. Well, I think one of the things that James and I have found is that there are people that are very good starting a company, mm-hmm. um, but those aren't necessarily the people that are really good, nor do they necessarily have the desire to continue to run it. Yeah. Um, you know, And James was fantastic because he took basically what Dennis had done mm-hmm. and took it to a much different level. And mm-hmm. I've been very proud to work by James' side.
0: This whole thing, I have to tell you, when I, I, I knew only what I read in the article in The Sun Paper when I asked for this interview, and the tour I got this morning just blew me away. There is just so much going on here, and this is something that uh, James and I mentioned several times, it, it, it's a holistic approach, because nothing else really works.
2: One of the things that's very unusual, if you come in and really rip apart our programs, Mm -hmm. you see a certain excellence in whatever we do, and it's defined by numbers. Because one of the things we do is we measure ourselves so that, um, for example, when I started our education programs, we weren't very good. (laughs) <laughs> and we weren't because I would start to give evaluations to teachers mm-hmm. and then I, you know, I'd create rubrics and we weren't very good. But that was a great place to begin getting better. So I knew we got to go get better educators, we've got mm-hmm. to improve our programs, and that's how we run now. We're, we are driven toward excellence.
0: How many years have you been with the company?
2: 22 and counting.
0: And Hmm. how many years have you been vice president?
2: Probably eight to ten. Okay. Yeah.
0: This is great. I know you have to run. Again, thank you so much. Again, this is Scott Raymond, vice president of Living Classrooms. No, vice president of education.
2: Yeah, at Living Classrooms. At Living
0: Classrooms. And we're talking about the actual schools. Correct. And thank you so much for your time, Scott.
2: Anytime. Glad to help.
0: You've been listening to In Other Words, part of PWN Radio. You can find us at pwnradio.net. You can find me, your host, Susan Scher, and my editing and writing company, In Other Words, at inotherwordsgroup.com. Thanks so much for joining us. Join us again. Bye-bye. In other words. In other words. In other
2: words. In other words. In
0: other